need to feed my spirit. I was once a king. You are a spectre from the gods. Walk with me. All right, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown. And for episode 15, we've got the lovely Willie Roach. We talk about what it's like to grow up Mormon in Las Vegas. We cover his experience as a missionary in Columbus, Ohio, and the difficulty of being a Spanish-speaking missionary there. We go over some of his feelings of isolation at BYU-Idaho, and he opens up about his struggles with depression and suicidal thoughts, and I think you guys will really appreciate some of the advice that he had to share in that department. Once again, I want to thank you guys for the wonderful messages that you've been sending me. Please keep them coming. Um, I really appreciate it, and I read and respond to everything. Um, so I'd love to hear from you guys. Please, please, please keep that going. Of course, if you like what you hear, please share one of your favorite episodes with a family member or friend. And if you haven't already, head over to www.waityourmormon.com for easy access to those episodes and all of my social links. Um, I also want to thank you guys for bearing with me with some of the audio issues we've had lately. There's some spotty connection with Zoom. I appreciate you not coming from my head. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, man, just jumping into it. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Willie, Willie Roach. What a name. What a freaking name. Is that because um, you keep a roach on you at all times or like a big star, dude? dude? That's, that's the thing. Well, I mean, now I am. I'm, I mean, I'll let the cat out of the bag right now. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm high to a degree right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm having a little uh, eggnog and bourbon myself. So, oh, there you go. Um, oh, I've never even had. I still haven't tried that. Isn't that weird? That's that. These are the conversations that like us us people can have. Like being like, oh, how is that? I haven't tried that yeah. yet. Like that's shit that like I say to my friends. I say in public, and people look at me like, what the fuck? You haven't had alcoholic eggnog? Are you a child? Yeah. Were you like Amish or something? It's like, oh, close. Yeah, I'm like very close, very close. They just don't dig the beards right now. <laughs> but I, I totally cut yeah. you off. That's my bad. Oh no, no, that's that's totally good. Uh, I, so yeah, now I am. But like all growing up, I would get told jokes all the time because of my last name. I mean, first name, of course. Like, oh, penis. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, that 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 especially hurt because of the Mormonism thing. So like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a bad word. Ah, my ears are burning. I can't even hear my own genitalia. <laughs> so weird. It's so freaking weird. Um, so there's that one, and then uh, Roach. I remember when I went up to BYU Idaho. And I get a job at a Pizza Hut in in Rigby, and my boss, of course, he's he's an ex Mormon as well, and he's like, he said the same thing, the same exact thing as you. I was like, hey, what's your name? I was like, I'm the new hire, Willie Roach. He's like, Roach, huh? Ah, you like the roaches, huh? Is that what's up? Ah, you on the, you got a roach on you? What's up? We can match it. I literally, <laughs> I just, I just fucking looked at him. I was like, I don't know what you are talking about because I still believe at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's like. Oh, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, okay, never mind. You don't understand any of my jokes. 
Uh, okay, so yeah, continuing on, I am Willie Roach, and the more you get to know me, you'll understand that I am I am a hundred percent a Willie. Like whatever you think a Willie is, oh, uh, like oh, this is what a guy looks and sounds like that his name is Willie. Well, I'm that freaking guy, like literally Willie. Anyway, <laughs> so Willie Roach, born in Spain, raised in Las Vegas, the city of sin, and uh, I'll tell you what, being raised in the city of sin if you talk to people from vegas that stuff i thought every city looked like las vegas literally i thought everybody saw billboards with like chicks booties out and stuff and like thongs and and tits and stuff like that i was just like that's a normal we we me and my brothers had a name for this one billboard uh going on the 95 uh south we call it the um we call them the the butt kiss girls because they were just like a line of eight girls and they were all just had their their butts towards us and then there was like on the end one girl was like kissing the butt or something so we call them the butt kiss girls and i thought that was just a normal thing but uh turns out no no No. that's not what that's not what cities have everywhere on their billboards like cox communications with a lady with her tits like popping out i'm like no that's not a normal thing no it's a lot more mcdonald's billboards usually (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah those get creepy over here too they step over the line oh no um so i know you were telling me like uh just your name alone caused you some like guilt and stuff like when you're driving around with your parents seeing those billboards what was that like uh it was really awkward um you know uh like anytime that you know we'd see a billboard like that you know we'd all just put our heads down and be like I'm gonna look at it as as hard as I can out of my periphery because those are some nice booties. <laughs> like, damn! And they had one of every flavor, if you know what I mean. Oh, so yeah. I was like, I get to see it all. I was like, this is an awesome billboard, but I'm gonna look at it out of my periphery. And uh, I'm sure everyone. Well, uh, I wouldn't even bring up that example. I mean, just seeing that stuff. Yeah, and you gotta deal with it with your parents. I mean, my parents cannot handle sex at all. Mm-hmm. They which is weird considering they had seven kids. Like they obviously clearly, maybe they didn't know anything about sex. Maybe that's why they had seven kids. (laughs) That actually, maybe I just answered my own question, but yeah, maybe they didn't know anything of jack shit about sex because they didn't tell me. They didn't tell me. They just were like, he knows. Yeah. He, he knows. We don't need to, we don't need to talk about that. That's such an odd choice. Like, las vegas if you're that like i'm I'm really i know that mormons kind of started las vegas but the fact that there's still such a song strong presence there really surprises me that that is interesting and i don't i i mean we we founded it so that's probably the only reason why there's that many but uh yeah i tell everyone i'm like yeah i'm from vegas and they're like what a mormon from vegas i'm like i mean that's that's what i literally Half of the dialogue that I had as a missionary was just explaining, oh, yeah, I'm a Mormon from Vegas. And just everyone thought that was the funniest darn thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, it's not. But they just were all like, oh, a Mormon in Vegas. Is he the only one? And I'm like, no, there's a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Like my high school of 4,000 had uh, about four or 500 Mormons. So mm-hmm. I'm like, we had a we had a big old following. So it I wasn't the loner. I well, I was a loner for another for other reasons, <laughs> but uh, but not not uh, not Mormons. Mormons were not loners. They were they were cool. They were mm-hmm. popular at my school. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I I you know you grow up 
you get so tired of like having missionaries in your ward from Utah though. So I would have been stoked like, oh, we got one from Vegas. This like never happens. I know, right? Can you imagine? Oh man, I feel so bad for the people from Utah. I'm I'm sorry. You didn't get to choose where you were freaking born. So mm. it's like, and then just being that guy, they're like, oh my goodness, who's this guy? And you see blonde hair, blue eyes. And maybe you think, oh, maybe he's from like the Bavarian Alps. Mm. Maybe he's, he's a Bulgarian. Maybe he's German. And then he's just like, I'm from Farmington, Utah. And you're like, God damn yeah, it. Gross. Hopefully you're only here to transfer. I hate you guys. Fucking, I had 13 companions and eight of them were from Utah. Oh, man. I think I maybe <laughs> had like two American companions. But they were both oh, from, yeah. uh, well, no, I had three. Two of them for, were from Texas. One was from Idaho. So I did luck out. Two were bit. from Texas? Yeah, two were from Texas. One was from Houston, and then one was from uh, El Paso. What are the chances of that? <laughs> mm-hmm. But other than that, just straight Africans my, my whole time. Dang, man. what that's, Me and you could talk. We have the completely different worlds, dude. Like, when I read my mission call and it said Ohio, people are like, Okay, I could tell. I could sit here and tell you all the things that went on in my head when it said Ohio. Um, one of them was probably the lamest thought of all time. I was just like, "Well, I get American hospitality." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "I get I get hot water and cold water when I want it," which didn't always happen, actually. But whatever, that's life. All the corn <laughs> you can for, eat. I know all the food you can eat, basically. So first world problems. Mm-hmm. I signed um, up for that, yeah. Yeah, I'm in uh, Columbus, Ohio now, actually. Where, uh, what part of Ohio did you serve in? Yeah, I was going to say that's pretty funny that uh, I served in the Columbus, Ohio mission, and it's changed, uh, obviously, since then. But mm-hmm. I covered, back then, it covered everything except for northern. I, I covered everything, even parts of Kentucky and Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. So I served in on OSU campus. And I was a Spanish missionary, so our areas were infinite. They were, they were, I think, a hundred miles in every direction or something. Because mm. for the entire mission, we had ten companionships in Spanish for an entire state. So, oh wow, it was. And Ohio's, I mean, Ohio's not huge, but it's it's not Rhode Island. So yeah, yeah. So it, we had humongous areas. So I served in OSU campus i served in dayton ohio i served in cincinnati eastgate hamilton oh my have you been to hamilton no I, i've barely gotten outside of columbus actually <laughs> stay there it's yeah. the best part <laughs> it literally is yeah i haven't oh even God. been to cleveland i've been here like maybe almost two years or something like that um haven't even made the drive to cleveland anything like that it's like four yeah, hours I'm, and back just for the, like a, what is it, the Rock and Roll Museum or something? What's it called? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Boom. Up, having a roach, of course. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm just like, hey, yeah, you know I where you know need to I go? Really want it. Where? You need to go to the Dayton Air Force Museum. Okay. Okay, it is the fucking hugest thing. If you like history, if you like military, it's like nine military. You've seen the military hangers, like how yeah. how many planes you can fit in the hang in the hangar. There's like nine of them. 
there's nine of them and they put it all together and it's a museum and you get to see every plane you could ever imagine like they have an sr-71 like the blackbird oh, wow. the first thing to break the sonic uh boom like all these different shits like they got p-51 you got world war anyway it's really cool That's that actually that, that actually does sound cool I, I mean i grew up air force like my dad was air force so I mean, that kind, there of, you that's go, kind of, that's kind of my thing. Like, I, I would be more interested in that than, like, a glorified hard rock cafe or something, you know? Yeah, dude, I don't even care about that. So people told me about that, and I was like, yeah, I don't honestly think I'm going to do it, bro. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> a big old nope. Um, so were you, like, when you got that call to Ohio, like, were you visibly upset about it? Or were you like, hey, at least it's Spanish. I'm learning Spanish. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the whole story. So I actually had a dream. I'm the oldest of seven, so mm-hmm. I'm the first one to go on a mission. So it was kind of like a big deal. Like my parents were like, we're doing the whole shabam. We're having the party, guessing where everyone goes and blah, blah, blah. So my mom got all excited. And uh, I had a dream like three days before I got my call. And uh, we were having the opening party because we were those people. Mm-hmm. And um, But in Vegas, it doesn't happen very often. So uh, if you're listening in Utah and you think that I'm like a piece of shit like everyone else, guess what? I'm not. No one does it here. So I was actually kind of breaking ground, all right? So you don't know me, come <laughs> at me. But anyway, um, continuing uh, my story. So, yeah, I had a dream like three days before, and I saw where I was going. And I was super excited and I woke up from the dream and you know, when you just like, you wake up from a dream and you remember for like half a second and mm-hmm. then you're like, Oh my God. Oh, I totally lost it. Uh, so that's, that's what happened. I was like, I'm going, <gasps> I don't remember, no. but I knew in my dream, but the only thing I could remember, this is stupid, but I can verify. I ain't no liar. Um, I remember it started with an O there was like an O I remember the O was like pronounced. So mm. either there's a bunch of O's and I'm going to like, I don't even know, Wagon Wheel, Texas or something. Um, or I'm going to like, I thought I was going to Oregon. I thought, oh, I'm going to Oregon because I couldn't think of a country. I'm like, damn it. I must be going stateside because mm. I can't think of what what country starts with O. Can anyone think of one? Huh? One, two, three. Nobody can. I can, can. only think of Ontario, that's Canada, but that's not quite the same. Yeah, that's a territory. Well, I guess I could have been called to the Ontario, Canada mission. Mm-hmm. Damn it, I didn't think of that. Well, kill myself. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought it was Oregon, and then I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, I don't know why I was happy on my, in my dream, because that's not cool. So anyway, so I, I, I get up there, and I'm like, it's going to be Oregon. And then I, I rip open the thing, and I read it, and sure enough, I see the O coming. I see it, and it's like, Elder Elder Roach, you have been called to hereby serve in the, and I see the O coming, and I'm like, I fucking knew it. And then it says, Ohio Columbus mission, and I'm like, because it was not Oregon, I was so visibly happy. Uh. My friends, (laughs) my friends all around me thought that I was like, hey, hey, like, like I heard afterthought. This is like words that I heard like behind me and stuff. People are like, hey, hey, I know. I know you got to fake you're excited, but come on, man. That that was a little yeah. too much fake excitement. And I'm like, no, dude, you don't understand. That wasn't fake. I legit thought I was going to Oregon. Ohio's way better. <laughs> and then, you know, what's, you know what's even funnier? Well, I know that. And then now we both have been to Ohio. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, but uh, the funny, you know what's the funniest thing of this all is that whatever. 
fucking coincidence or whatever. But my the only other one of my siblings who served a mission is my brother Alex, and he went to Oregon. Oh wow, you're kind of a is prophet. That weird. <laughs> I guess I am. I mean, gift of prophecy fuck. going on, man. If you have a wife, I have to fuck her. That's what the the God told me. Well, I, I don't, but I mean, um, it's noted. All right, duly noted. I'll, I'll send you looking. a special package for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude, so weird. So yeah, that was that was my thought. At first, I was just so fucking happy. Like, I legit, like, started to, like, tear up. I was like, I'm going to Ohio! And people were like, oh, Jesus, he's lost his mind. He's lost his mind. He's excited about Ohio. No one gets excited about Ohio. And uh, so, yeah. And then and then the fucking funny thing is, I well, I guess it's not funny, but I put down the piece of paper, and I didn't even read the rest of it. And then my dad's like, why don't you read the rest of it? And it's like, what? Why? Who cares? And then... And then I pick it up and it says, wait, I'm learning Spanish. <laughs> so I was like, damn it. But it was kind of fucking cool because uh, my mom, so I said I was born in Spain in the beginning. So mm-hmm. my mom is full blood Spanish. Uh, so she's been born in Pamplona. She's like full blood, whatever. They're all Roman Catholics to the core. And uh, uh, where am I going with this? Oh, yeah. So, so uh, they met, whatever. I got born over there. I got born, as they say. And then, um, why do I care? Why? I don't even remember. Um, Spain, Spain, Spanish. Oh, I got family over there. So I got family over there and I can't fucking talk to them because my parents never taught me Spanish growing wow. up. They're such dicks. They were like, they moved, I moved over to Las Vegas when I was like two or something like mm-hmm. that. And they never taught me, uh, they never taught me Spanish. They were like, yeah, nah, it's, this kid is so dumb with one language. I don't want to, I can't do two. You get one. So I got English. <laughs> Does your English. dad speak Spanish? Yeah, my dad. So the reason why my parents uh, met is because my dad was an American missionary, went to Spain. Okay. My mom was a convert and she got called to serve in Spain. And she was like, well, this sucks ass. I fucking join the church and I get called to work in Spain. And then she meets my dad while they're, they're both missionaries. They meet at like his own conference. And they get the hots for each other, and they write each other letters, and then they got married after their missions and whatnot. So, so yeah, my dad speaks because uh, he went on a mission there and and all that. So uh, to tie it all back together, that's why I was also excited to learn Spanish. Cause mm-hmm. I have family over there, like old grandparents, and I've never been able to talk to them more than the stupid Spanish they teach you in middle school, where you're just like, uh, yo, uh quiero comida yo uh, quiero jugar uh, yeah I just have a bunch of wants grandma that's about <laughs> it I'm just a wanting piece of shit <laughs> I mean I'm over here in Columbus I see like an okay like Hispanic community like seems like pretty <laughs> small so Dude, what, is it easy to learn Spanish in, in the Columbus Ohio mission or Oh, very, very bad Spanish, dude. I'm so glad that you know that you can tell people that because, like, people look at me and they, I mean, I do deserve the shame for not speaking better Spanish because I haven't kept up in practice, but, like, I still speak it and I still, like, use it, but my Spanish is so, so awful. Like, like, just, it's just, I mean, no, it's not. It's not awful. Like, honestly, I can I can have conversations. But when I tell people I was born in Spain, I have two parents that speak Spanish. One of them is a full native. 
And actually, my dad sometimes speaks better Spanish than my mom, which is kind of a little confusing. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so it's like I have all these in my favor. And then I have, you know, first world country. And it's just, yeah, people are like, you don't speak better. And I'm like, hey, shut up a little bit. And in Vegas, too. You could have got home and got a ton of practice. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if we're getting super analytical. I am shaming you. I'm shaming (laughs) you, really. Let's get it together, man. Get my shit together. I my first job, I actually used Spanish a lot. I sold. I worked really downtown in like the kind of low income end of town, and a lot of a lot of people were Hispanics, and they were like, you know, didn't have their papers and stuff. And I worked with them a lot, and I got to speak Spanish with them. And like, I oh man, I was getting so good, and then I left the job. Like, it's done that, but for a lot of reasons, but. Actually, you know what? I left the job to go sell pest control in Ohio, in Columbus. You know for what company? Oh, no. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. I do see them driving around a lot. Yeah, you see Green X? Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, I hate them. They're terrible, dude. They are so terrible. That's all I can say. There's going to be people listening to this. Anyway, maybe you can edit that out because we don't want to make enemies. Yeah, people, Ohioans will come for you. Yeah, they will. They will freaking come, and I will accept the duel, and we're both going to die in our pride. I mean, I don't know. We'll see if there's even a, a country left after after today, but... I know, right? I mean, I'm happy either way. Like, yeah. I, I gotta, I'm using my therapist's uh, uh, little tools of success, and I'm just going to be happy if we survive, then I get to continue living, and then if it plunges into Mad Max and yeehaw, Mad Max, I don't have to go back to work. There you go. Silver lining every time. Now, was that pesticide job, that was pre-mission, you said, or was that post-mission? That was post-mission. Post-mission, um, you came running back to Ohio? Exactly. So, like a lot of return missionaries, they go to campus, they go to BYU, and then there's a, a bunch of uh, guys in really nice, clean-cut, you know, clean-shaven they got a polo on and they're like, Hey guys, how would you like to make $20,000 next summer? How would you like to make $30,000 mm. next summer? Yeah. So, uh, I got suckered in by those guys cause because they were, I mean, my, my story kind of sucks. I mean, I'm not no sad case, but man, I got really hustled, man. I got suckered in. I never was going to do it. I got suckered in by guys that I went on my mission with. Uh. They were my fellow missionaries. They were like, I saw Elder Tanner and I saw, um, uh, what's his face? I hate his face. I'm not going to say his name, but man, his face, his first name's Brad. I saw him and I trusted him. I was like, Hey, yeah, you were like the assistant, the president. And he's like, dude, I hated knocking doors. He does this whole, like, like he did this whole like acting thing. He's like between me and you, man, I hated knocking doors and I am just so good at selling and knocking doors right now, man. So even for people who hate knocking doors, you're going to do great with this stuff. Mm. And I'm just like, I totally fell for it. And I went out there and I, I, uh, wow. I had a terrible selling experience and almost walked away owing them money. I worked my butt off, uh, to make sure I did it, but I almost did. And I probably should have, but I, I fought my way out of there, but it was, it was, it was crazy. So I got suckered in by people I knew they were like, Hey, and one of them was my companion. One of them was my companion. And, like, I was, okay, I was a weird guy. I'm a very freaking weird guy because on my mission, I love knocking doors. I absolutely would get such a hard-on for knocking doors. Like, 
knocking doors to me was the funnest thing because I'm like an actor and I, I viewed it as improv. I was like, every door is improv. You mm -hmm. knock on the door and for me, I'd be like, who am I going to be this time? Am I going to be, I'm from Las Vegas and like I would knock on doors and I would just knock on the door and I'd be like, howdy y'all, my name's El Roach and this here is my companion Homewood. We're here to teach you about the great little message that Jesus Christ loves you and he wants to be your savior. And I'd be like, why did I choose to have a freaking accent? I don't know. But then the next time I'll be like, knock on a door and I'll just be like, I'll just choose to be like some, like, I don't even know, like this, like some salesman from like the fifties. Are you translating that for me? Or was that, uh, did you do that in Spanish, but with the accent? <laughs> oh, <Also man>. elder. <laughs> Dude. Okay. I, I being bilingual, just a side note, it has nothing to do with anything. I do actually it no it, it does have something to do with something sometimes I think do I regret my mission do I not blah blah, blah. one of the points I freaking love that I learned Spanish mm. if I didn't learn Spanish on my mission I never would have done it it is so cool to be walking around and like be like a secret agent like if you're with someone who speaks Spanish and no one in the room speaks Spanish except for him you just lean over in plain sight and you could just be like saying anything you could say I have like I've said this before I'm like Hey, I have diarrhea. Can you like cover me while I try to get out of here? And and it's like, this is awesome. Like no one even knows. And I just leave the party with dignity and I'm like, ha, I shit myself. <laughs> no, I was uh, stalking you on Facebook earlier. Um, oh, good. You should, yeah. as you should. <laughs> and I saw a picture. It looked like uh, you had like a broken nose or something. What was up with that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So my first, uh, <laughs> this is. This is cool. So on my first area, I get my first area in my entire mission and it's a bike area and a Spanish bike area cover. And it was covering like 75 miles. So it was, there were some days that we would bike to different towns and we would take bridges and we would, Oh my fucking God. The, the, my companion was so crazy. We rode bikes on the fucking freeway. Mm -hmm. That's illegal. Yeah. That's illegal. And he just like, <laughs> We were so crazy. We biked everywhere. And yeah, so we get to a freeway and he has this little Garmin because back then we had Garmin's and he's like, Hey, it's telling us to get on the freeway. And it's like, are you sure? I don't think we're supposed to get on the freeway. I've never seen a bike on the freeway. And he's like, well, we have to get there, don't we? And I was like, I guess so. I thought it was one of these, the Lord will provide moments. Mm -hmm. So we freaking bike on the shoulder of a freeway. And the funny thing is we had multiple people yell at us, scream at us to get off the freeway. We had police pass us but the thing is the shoulder was literally the the width of our bicycles so the police saw us and they could not pull over because they're going 60 miles an hour 70 70 miles an hour they see two dipshits on a bike with no shoulder they can't pull mm. me over so they just passed me they're like well that kid's gonna die <laughs> so okay so anyway so we're my first area is a bike area and uh i am just full of spirit i'm full of gusto I have so much, you, you couldn't freaking, you couldn't, you could put a gun to my head, which I did get a gun pulled on me in my first area and it did not even startle me. I was like, I'm good, bro. I felt like a bit of die all up in there. Like, oh man, I don't even care if you burn me. I was getting so spiritual. So anyway, um, every day I was just off my rocker. So happy to be there and, and everything. And, uh, so anyway, this day, I'm riding and I'm just going so freaking fast and I'm riding so much faster than my companion. I'm just so excited. I'm like, let's go, let's go. Come on, come on. And I'm also in great shape because I just got on my mission. So I'm a wrestler. So I just came in from wrestling shape. So I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go. 
and I start going down this hill, and I'm going probably 35 miles an hour. I'm going fast, and maybe 30. I don't want to exaggerate, but I'm going fast. I'm like, I, I'm at it was a 21 speed bike, and I can no longer feel any resistance, so I'm past 21 miles an hour. Anyway, and I'm going, and I before I have time to react, I see a humongous pothole in uh. the cement in my trail, and I'm like. By the time I see it, it's 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 like fractions of a second before I'm about to hit it. So I'm like, by the time I see it, I'm thinking, how am I going to minimize the damage? Not how can I get out of the way? So then I hit it, my tire sinks in, and I fly over a la Indiana Jones in, uh, I think it's The Last Crusade, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I flew, and luckily, I mean, they'll say, huh. I followed the mission rules, but literally because I wore my helmet, I didn't get brain damage. I smacked my head on the pavement so hard it cracked my helmet, oh. and I cut my nose. I might have broke it. I don't know. I never went to the doctor. And then what happened was I broke my front tooth, and it's actually in the shape of Nevada. So I broke it at like a 45-degree angle, exposed the nerve oh. so that every time I breathed, the nerve was completely open. Um, and then my tooth went through my lip. So I like had a huge, like a small hole, like boop right there. So I was just bleeding. And my companion said, like, he saw me. He's like, Oh my heck. He's like, are you okay? And he thought, he said, he thought I was dead. He was like, you hit so hard. I thought you broke your neck. So he thought I was dead. And the funniest thing I get up and I just look at him and I'm bleeding. And then I look at him and I say, Hey, take a picture. That's the first thing I said. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just so excited. I was like, take a picture. I'm putting this in my email. So I was so full of like the shock. Yeah. I just totally busted my face. Dude, those dick wads, you know what we ended up doing? The procedure because it had to go through the bureaucratic stupid steps of hell. Mm-hmm. Like, so we had to sit there. We had to call our zone leaders who had to like get a vehicle to get over to see us. And then we had to uh, get permission. The zone leaders had to pick us up, had to get permission um, from president to like, get emergency surgery and then what they did was while we waited for them to find a doctor they all went they took me and they all went to like get wings and i sat there and watched them eat delicious wings and they're all like sorry you can't eat any of this i'm just sitting there as they eat wings in front of my face i'm like i hate all of you that's horrible you (laughs) you never were like you did go to a dentist or you never got treated oh no i I eventually did get treated so i got they found a doctor who was like an hour away and uh, he was in the English serving area and uh, he decided, yeah, he opened, he went and did me a favor. He went into his, uh, his private practice at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night and did the surgery. And then we finished at like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, but we got to get into that, that getting a gun pulled on your story. <laughs> what happened with that? Uh, so it's not um it's not as cool as it sounds unfortunately which i think good story writers will say never say that but oh well i just said it so breaking norms so yeah it was just in my first area knocking doors and it was uh my first area was huber heights Mm -hmm. if you know where that is it's like there's pockets of poverty and then there's pockets of like kind of nice and i'm like what is like really really nice i'm like okay it's just weird it looked like Huber Heights, the whole city looked like the old churches. You know how like they build churches in um, like a one one form, like how they did 
the cube temples for like 30 years oh, yeah. with the smaller cube. The Columbus, Ohio temple is a cube temple. Mm-hmm. They like how it's not unique. They just, it's just like a copy paste one. Uh, Huber Heights just looks like the copy paste style of like the 1980s uh, Mormon churches that wood paneling, the ugly green carpet. That's what Huber Heights looked like. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a home. So, you know, I'm not saying this was a project, but uh, I'm also saying it kind of looked like really, really dopey. But anyway, so just knocking doors and then uh, just in this really not nice part of town. And just this guy just like answers the door and he just like, he lifts up, he just like opens the door and he's got like a blunt or a cigarette in his mouth. And he just lifts up the shirt, and he's got, like, his 9 millimeters. I think it was a – oh, it's just a Glock or something. But, yeah, he just had a Glock, and he, like, pulled it out. And he's like, hey, y'all not – you just, you don't want any of this, all right? You better get out of here. So we're like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, we, we, we're we good. So that, that was it. It wasn't like – like, he just pulled it out. And I was just like – but, like, I almost, like, started, like, just chilling with him. I was just like, yeah, man, it's not, it's not even a big deal, bro. Yeah, we're just going to be around here. If you need anything, we'll be here, all right? See ya. And I was like, why did I just shut up, Willie? Shut up. Trying to be cool with this guy. Don't. Hey, you had the spirit in you, man. <laughs> Those words were given to you. That's exactly what you yep. wanted to say. In the moment I needed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you had said anything different, who knows what he would have done. So. Yeah. Yeah, he would have popped a cap in my nether region. Straight up. Straight. Straight up. I know how these Ohioans are. But um, was there, like, I see missionaries around here every now and then, but not very frequently. Like, is there a lot of success, like, when you were out here? Uh, No, it was, I had very, 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 very low numbers my entire mission. Terrible numbers, um, which, I mean, terrible in comparison. Like, they were normal numbers for Ohio, because mm. Ohio is kind of shitty, because, <laughs> um the members there are like, they're they're cool, but they're very 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 weird. They're all like, the members I remember were the ones that looked like they had married their cousin, and just had a couple kids, and and then they were one of the kids of the cousin who fucked. And I'm like, damn, you guys are a little weird, huh? Like, oh, what? There was. There was one, oh man, I don't even know how to really describe them. There was one family, there was one family that I, they were both like, they were on the spectrum and they were like 45 years old and they both married. And the the woman dressed in like pilgrim little house on the prairie dresses like every day. They're so big and huge and fluffy. And then she like never showered because those things are super heavy and thick and take forever to put on. So she smelled like sweat and just terrible. And then the then then the dude and then they're all overweight and the dude had a Hitler stash and like circle like circle glasses and he was a World War Two reenactor, which if you know of any World War Two reenactors, they're usually I mean just anyone who's a reenactor, like they are a type of they are people. They are a type. And you have to you just have to meet them and you're like, Oh, you you do civil war reenacting? I think you're probably on the Confederate side, aren't you? Mm. Oh, you are. Oh, oh. There <laughs> are a shocking amount of Confederate flags in Ohio. Oh, yes. I remember that was a very common thing. 
where it's just like, uh, hmm, that, I feel like that doesn't add up, but okay. Yeah, dude, they're like, the South will rise again. I was like, you are not South. I'm pretty sure Ohio was a Northern state, yeah. if I remember correctly from my history. So y'all are very confused. It's probably because, actually, I don't even remember. Was Kentucky a Southern state? Oh, most, most definitely. There you go. Because Kentucky's right there. So maybe, mm. oh, I mean, as you know, there's a lot of Kentucky people in Ohio. Oh, and, yeah. There's and, some spillover. Yeah. And they're the ones that we look down on, and we're like, oh, you're from Kentucky? It gets worse? And you, you mentioned that you actually spent some time in Kentucky, right? In Indiana? Uh, very, very briefly. I um, Those two areas, I was only in on, um, uh, what do you call them, um, exchanges. So okay. I, went, I went to, I think it was called Uniontown or Greensville or something. Um, and it was right, like in the city had a line that in the street, there was a line and it said, welcome to Indiana. So you could cross the street and you're in Indiana. So technically we did the stupid thing where you cross the, the border and I took a picture of me touching the Indiana sign. So I was technically breaking mission rules because I went into another mission because that part of Indiana wasn't in our mission. So I was like, oh, I'm evil. Mm-mm. So it sounds like you, um, you were fairly, you were a pretty faithful missionary. Were you uh, like overly zealous or anything like that? Were you breaking a lot of rules? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's, I feel like that's where my mission story kind of differs from most people's is because I didn't, I, I took it, I took it really seriously. Like I didn't want to go on a mission for the longest time and I felt like I had a big kind of con- like reconversion story to get me back on path to get me on a mission. So I was like, I felt like I, I really, really worked to get to there um, and that I really wanted to be there. So like I took it a lot of, I took it really seriously. And so the lows were really low and the highs were extremely high. And uh, so I had a very unique, I think, I mean, yeah, I would say I had a unique mission experience just because, of how hard I, I took it to heart. And uh, I didn't really like the, the, the extent of like my, the extent, like I think the most sinful thing I probably ever did was I masturbated on my mission like twice, like in two years I fell short twice and I felt absolutely terrible. And um, I think that's literally it. Like everything else, like my other sins included sleeping during exercise time, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> not weekly planning or, uh, or nightly planning and just going to bed sometimes or eating cereal, um, just like small stuff like that. Those, those were my sins. Cause I was, I was just that fourth floor, last door kind of guy. And I was just like, I'm here, I'm here to live. I'm here to experience. I'm here to touch lives and have my lives, my life be touched. And mm-hmm. so I, I went, I went all out crazy. And now I hear all my friends, you know, like tell their stories about how they snuck in to a movie theater and watched Inception on their mission in Chicago. And I'm like, damn it, man. Like that sounds, and like they did it with like four other missionaries and they all like just had, they, they all went to a uh, DI on preparation day and bought a TV and a, and a Nintendo 64. They would play Goldeneye. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I didn't think of that. That was like, I, 
man, now I'm like, damn it. I'm sure a lot of people did that, but I, I never would have thought that, I never would have let that down. I never would have allowed that to myself on my mission. But I would like to think that I could redo it and, and add that because that sounds mm-hmm. dope. Yeah. Do you regret um, going at all? Are you happy that you served a mission? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Holy. Okay. We're opening some big cans. Let's do it. So I have humongous regrets about going on a mission, not just because, oh, it was two years and it was $10,000 or whatever. For me, what it did was it, it set off. I was on a path before I went on my mission. I started, I am, so I work, currently I work um, in, in MMA fighting. So I work in MMA fighting. And I have been training in MMA fighting since I was, I've been training martial arts since I was 12. So Mm -hmm. I'm a martial artist that works in the martial art industry. So I'm a martial artist, like to my core. And what's crazy is that I, I, uh, even though I've competed in wrestling tournaments and jiu-jitsu tournaments, just tons of those, I've never had, well, I've had a couple, I've had, I've I've never had an official sanctioned fight. And that's something that has eluded me. And I'm almost, you know, 30 years old. And I've been in martial arts since I'm 12, you know, 18 years of martial arts, but have not had a sanctioned fight. And uh, it, it started with that. So I, I started martial arts when I'm 12. And by the time that I am 18, I'm getting ready to have my first fight. And they're going to get me in tough enough. They know the guy knows Herb Dean. Um, I have a really good end. And they, and then I, decide I'm going to go on a mission and they're like what you can't go on a what what do you mean a mission like a two-week mission that's fine you can you can come back and we can keep training what are you talking about they're like no no I'm going away for two years I'm like don't go away for two years you'll never come back Mm. and to be honest I've been chasing it since so I've uh I've had to readjust my goals um that now instead of instead of maybe trying to be an MMA fighter like now I'm just trying to see if I can just focus in on my grappling and just be a jujitsu or a grappler, mm-hmm. um, which has more, less chance of injury, more chance for longevity. Mm-hmm. But um, to, to explain further, so yeah, so I was getting ready to fight. I had years of training. I was in peak condition. I leave on my mission. Well, yeah, I start, I start taking off training six months before so I could pay, you know, work and pay for my mission. I leave on a mission for two years. I come back. And then I end up going to BYU-Idaho. So then I leave and I go to BYU-Idaho for three years. I don't train. And then I end up getting married. And then I get married to someone who doesn't really like me training. So I'm married for four years, barely train ever. Um, I probably train like maybe once or twice a month or something at my school at BYU. And then I end up getting divorced and and leaving the church at uh, at 26, so two years ago. and that's when I started seriously training again. So I've only been seriously training for two years and that started at 26. So it's like, you see when people are like, Hey, do you, do you regret? I kind of super do. I, I have these lingering questions. What would have happened if I would have not gone on a mission? If I would have had those three years nonstop that I could have been training and fighting, like who knows that could have been my career. Mm-hmm. And I'll just never know that. I'll never know that. Um, and that's, that sounds stupid, you know, it sounds stupid, but when it's your dream that you grow up when you're 12 years old and you're sitting with your dad and you're watching a DVD and you're bonding and you're seeing fighting in front of him and, and you know, it's the thing he works in, it's the thing that makes him happy, he knows how to fight, 
Like, that's your dream. You just want to be a fighter. You want to be a champion. And I grew up with that. And then to have it slowly slip from my hands, from the choices that I made that, I mean, were related to the church. If I was not a Mormon, I would not have wasted 10 years on being married, going to a church-run school, and then serving, uh, serving, you know, basically in a volunteer corporation for two years. So, Yeah, and, like, it's got to be a heavy blow, like, when you're like, oh, geez, I, I gave that all up on for a lie at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. On top of, on top of everything, it was, you know, we have regrets about, you know, did I get the right, you know, did I go to the right school? Did I get the right degree? Did I, am I in the right job? That kind of stuff, you know, that's, they're all valid. You're not doing anything that's wrong or illegal. Like no one's wondering, Hey, is the job I'm doing ethical? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd reach that if you're already working there, but anyway, like, but for me, yeah, to, to know that I lost all those years for something that, I hardcore absolutely completely do not believe in at all. And it was a lie. And I was brainwashed. Like I was a product mm -hmm. of, and people, people told me all the time. I can't, how many people told me on my mission to my freaking face? They, you know, people always say, say it to my face. They did. All those people were literally just probably trying to, they probably did it jokingly. That's the sad thing is that I think if I would have met a member of the church and they would have like heartfelt been like Willie, I'm going to call you Willie instead of Elder Roach. Like, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart that, and then they, they share their story. Just like how we bear testimony or whatever mm -hmm. to the things that we believe is true. Why cannot, that's still a true, that's, 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 a, that's a true statement. That is a true sentiment. You don't have to be Mormon to say that you can't bear testimony. Mm -hmm. Anyone can bear testimony. That's a thing. You bear testimony that a product works, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I, I kind of wish that someone would have, born testimony of maybe their experience leaving the church. I don't remember really he hearing about those. Um, and so everyone who told me kind of did it in a joking way. And they were just like, ah, you're in a cult. I doesn't feel like to be in a cult. And I just knew that those people were saying those things to get a re to elicit reactions. They were not doing it out of careness and heart and, and, you know, they weren't saying it to try to free me at all. They were just trying to get a reaction. So yeah. <sighs> crazy. Yeah, no, it's definitely tough. Like I, in Ghana, I definitely had some opposition from people, but it was always just uh, like deacons or something from another denomination, just trying to prove that their church is right. So you're not going to be willing or open to listen to anything like that. But you do raise a, a good kind of hypothetical scenario there like what how would most of us react like if someone gave us a a very heartfelt you know testimony that hey what you're doing right now is not the right thing yeah um that's well it's funny that you say that because i'm planning on doing that for one of my friends actually like i i'm planning the next time that we hang out uh we're gonna go get dinner uh, sushi and I'm planning on like she's at a she's at a point in her life right now where she's done some sins she's broke some laws mm -hmm. and she's trying she said that she she said that she's trying to find herself she feels like she feels nothing like she feels numb so mm -hmm. she's like trying to try things to see if it can make her feel so sometimes you know I don't know she's making these decisions to try 
to see what's going on and get feelers for what she's supposed to do next because we're taught as Mormons to follow our feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's really caught on that. But, yeah, I feel like I need to – I was going to just share it with her and be like, you know what, this is not aggressive. This is just me talking as a friend. I want to let you know that my life has so much improved. I am happier, truly happy. Like it's not, it's not a happy that just like is like riding a wave and it disappears after five seconds or whatever. Like, like this weird wave that you try to like, or this butterfly you try to hold and you try to find the right amount of pressure. Like do you cuddle it? Do you constrict it? Do you, are you loose? But if you're too loose, you let it go. Like Mormons are like so quick to, they're like, they're so careful about their feelings not to Mm -hmm. upset them. Anyway, so I just want to try to help her and, and let her know. Yeah, I think that's a good move. Like, um, I think way too often those of, those of us who are out can approach it just way too hostile. But as long as you're doing it, you know, like you said, heartfelt, down to earth, you know, kind of testifying of the improvements that it's made to you, the fulfillment that you've received from stepping away. I mean, she might not take it immediately, but at least your your friendship will most likely be intact at the end of the encounter, that's, you know. That's the hope. Mm-hmm. So I don't even, to be honest, I don't even care. Like, if I'm honest, I don't care if the friendship is intact. If I walk away from that interaction and she at least is thinking about that, and, you know, what if in 10 years, she decides to be brave and she's living in Texas and I'm not around her and she decides to be brave and make the decision then like I'm 28 and I just left at 26. So two years ago, um, there's people that I know that left in middle school, like mm-hmm. my, my two best friends pretty much left in middle school and high school. And I finally just left right now and we're now we're all good buddies. And, you know, we, we smoke and we drink sometimes and you know, we're just, we can laugh about the trauma now mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do what you think is right. You know? Yeah. I'm all about, you know, bearing our truths and stuff, but yeah, I, I do, I'm not into a lot of like the toxicity that, you know, can be found in a lot of, not just ex-Mormons, but you know, anyone who's really stepped away from something, sometimes you... The, the pendulum swings back way too hard in a way that's off-putting. Um, yeah, so as long as you're not hostile about it, I think that's good. But you you did touch on some um, some kind of heavy events that had happened to you that probably influenced your decision um, to leave the church. But um, if you can kind of break it down, what were some of those shelf items that you had and what ultimately broke that shelf for you that you, you had to separate two years ago? Yeah. Um, it, okay. So I'll just, I'll, I'll shorten one thing by saying that right now, the main reason why I left the church, I I mainly left for two reasons. Um, and then the other ones, you know, like the other reasons, yes, I'm still in accordance with, but the main two big ones that I'll summarize right now is, uh, I did it for my own happiness and was the people Mm -hmm. like just mistreatment of you know of of the people towards me so um and i'll that it it started just ever since i can really remember um being like 10 years old or something and 
just being made fun of for how different I was because, um, I mean, like I, I said earlier, you know, about the comments about me being a Willie, like, mm-hmm. like how I fit, I fit Willie. Like you just think about all the, th- the, the synonyms or whatever that comes to mind. Maybe sometimes when you think of a Willie, like someone, I mean, even like, you know, wacky Willie, weird Willie, silly Willie. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like, and, and I fit that moniker. And my entire life, I've always been just kind of a whack job, just extra energy, just a really, really out there. And I used to just say things without caring what people would think. Like, and a lot of people shamed me for that years and years. You know, for years, I was, I began to feel shame for the things that I would say, you know, naturally, you know, I mean, naturally, kids learn that, but I was just shamed, I think, more. And I was shamed for the things. I was shamed for my energy. I was shamed for my outward excitement towards everything. Um, and it was, that's, I thought that was unfortunate because I thought that everyone, I thought that everyone wanted to be happy. And I was like, old, old people suck. Like they all just like to not be happy. Um, so I kind of dealt with that growing up. Um, the problems really started happening when I got home from my mission. Um, I get home from my mission and uh, just realizing that um well before i have theories that i didn't leave the church before because when i was growing up i was kind of coddled like in okay so in mormonism they teach that if there is someone who is not obeying the laws but like say there's an unruly daughter but Mm -hmm. she's living in a house where most of them are are righteous she will receive some benefits some blessings just by being in a house that is so righteous like she just gets benefits from being around that whatever um that's one of their teachings and um i kind of believe that to an extent because at least the psychological benefits you know i mean that's how brainwashing works like so we were i was brainwashed and uh and my parents were too so i don't think i left earlier than i did because i was just like I believed I was happy growing up and I had a support system too. Um, but then what, what really changed after my mission was I realized, well, I became on my own. So no longer were members of the church nice to me because I was son of Michael or that I was a daughter of, of my mother. Like, you know, Relief Society people would treat me nice because, oh, I know your mother. But when you're 22 and you just go into a random building that you've never met, no one gives a fuck who you are. Mm-hmm. You don't mean anything. You offer them nothing. You don't even have a name. Like, you're just a fucking thing. So that's like, and the, the church, whether they, they, of course, they don't, they don't acknowledge it. But the church is so hungry for numbers. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the, one of the last straws was I was in BYU-Idaho. I was on, I was the ward mission leader. Yeah, that's what it was. I was the ward mission leader in a Rexburg, Idaho, BYU, Idaho, married, married, uh, married ward. Mm -hmm. So I'm the freaking ward mission leader. Like, and they're, they're sitting here and okay. So I'm the ward mission leader, first of all. So I'm on this, I'm, people know that I'm a thing. I'm not just a guy in the back that no one talks to. I'm the ward mission leader and I go to the meetings and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, nobody, nobody sees me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm completely invisible. 
every Sunday I, at the time I was married, I'd walk to church. My wife would cry every Sunday morning because she's like, I don't want to go there. She was a convert. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't want to go to church. Like, and I was like, why? And she's like, because they don't treat us like humans there. Like mm-hmm. we're invisible. We, we are nothing to them. People don't look our way. People don't say hi to us, let alone sit next to us. In the married wards, everyone had their friends. They all sat next to each other. And every Sunday we would sit alone. Mm-hmm. And every, every once in a while, this one family would come and we think it was like the bishop's like little like ploy. He was like, Hey, be friends with the roaches. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, like I was just so, I was so empty. Okay. So this was cool. I thought this was a cool move that I did because it's pretty ballsy. So I was the ward mission leader and I'm invisible. I'm just sitting in these meetings. And a lot of times I would just sit in the meetings and I would just like put my head down and I would just close my eyes. And sometimes I'll be honest, I cried like, cause no one cared about me. No one talked to me. I wasn't nobody ever, not even just in meetings, but I, w- I lived in the communities. They were mm-hmm. my neighbors. No one talked to me. No one said hi. No one stopped by. No one delivered cookies. They did it to every other house except for mine. They would have parties next door and not invite us. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, how are you so stupid? I don't understand. Like the, the list goes on. One time I bought the UFC fights. And I bought like five pizzas and uh, like 60 wings. I invited everyone in the neighborhood and no one showed up. I ate it all by myself. Like I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't even fucking know. I'm a weird guy. I know that, but they treated me something fierce. And then it gets better because what happened was I'm going through all this pain, this silent, invisible pain. Apparently no one even knows what's happening. And then the bishop comes up to me and he says, Willie, I would like to give you an assignment to give a talk next Sunday on how to bring in new members into the church. And I almost lost it because in my mind, I was like, you obliviously, obliviously, I don't want to, in such an oblivious way, you asked me that. And you want me to talk about how to bring new people in the church when the people who are here already don't want to be here and they want to leave. I am one of them. I don't want to be here. You guys don't make me feel welcome at all. You want me to tell you how to bring more people into the church? Fuck you. So that's what I did was that talk. I went up there and I didn't even write down. I didn't write my talk. I just improv it. And that next Sunday I got up there and I said I was supposed to talk today about how to bring people in the church. But I felt inclined by the spirit, mm. which may, of course, that's not what it was. But that's what I said. And I was like, I am going to talk to you about dealing with the people you have in front of you before trying to get other ones. And I just sat there and I basically talked about, I just put them on blast and I said that I've been here like almost two years and no one knows anything about us. And we haven't gone to any of your game nights. We've all done whatever and no one gives a shit. And then I walked away and I never went to church again. So that was the last, I think that was the last, uh, um, one of the last church meetings I ever went to. So, um, and it just can't continue to be worse. Like my, I just, I came home. I was, cause I was up in Idaho. So I came back to Vegas and I tried two other wards. I'm like, the last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to one, two more meetings, one in one ward, one in one in another one and see if I feel any different. And I didn't. And, um, it's, uh, so that's, that was the first part is explaining the, the people. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't know why I was just, I don't know why, but, that that's not the most important. The most important one that I want to share is about my personal happiness and sanity that, uh, to condense it, I, and this ties in with the church, 
But since I think I was 12 years old, I have begun to self-loathe myself and have depression, anger, anxiety, sadness, just so many evil, angry thoughts about myself, just the beginning of the hatred for myself. And, um, and I think it comes from continually asking yourself if you're worthy of someone's love. Mm -hmm. That's something really fucking weird. So, um, that was, I definitely am sure that's where it came from. But so since 12, I've dealt with that and it's only been getting worse and worse. And it, and of course leads up to, uh, I've had suicidal thoughts since, um, I was 15. Mm -hmm. So since 15, I've, I've, so that's 13. 13 years of thinking about every different way that I could kill myself and should kill myself and how, because I've just been so unsatisfied with how life has been and just miserable with mostly not even just life. I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll just say, I just hated myself that much. Mm -hmm. Like just being taught like every Sunday going to church and finding out that every single thing that I want to do is wrong. And every single thing that I even want to do for even wanting to do any of those things is wrong that I'm wrong, I'm disgusting, and I'm a carnal, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the carnal flesh. I am not of, I'm not sanctified. I'm not of the sanctified material. And it's just that kind of stuff, day in, day out. Just you, you learn to really just hate yourself and think that you're a monster, that you're a true monster. And um, I will just sum it up by just saying that year after year, being a Mormon, year after year after year, just repenting continuously repenting and crying and begging for mercy thinking that like just asking that you could just forgive me one more freaking time because i did it one more freaking time and i'm not going to do it again because i promised this time and it's been a thousand times but then you do it again and you keep doing it and it gets so sick and i'm like i'm 28 i'm 26 whatever like i this is how bad it is right now like i and it it was really affecting my mind and my mentality and the, the suicidal thoughts and the blackness, it, it came more frequently and more strongly in my life towards the end, towards the end of, uh, when I decided to leave the church and consequently get divorced as well. But yeah, it, it just kept getting worse and worse. And, but the thing is that I was, that I was mentioning earlier to you that you have to find someone at the right time is because when I first left the church for this first six months, and it could have been purely because I also got divorced at the same time. It might have really just been that. But I got divorced at the same time I left the church. And for the first six months was absolute hell. And, I, you know, if I have to be honest with myself, I think a lot of it was the divorce. It was hard. Um, yeah, it, it was hard. But And it was especially hard the first six months of leaving the church because I was going through a divorce and I just recently renounced my only source of solace that I've ever had in the past, which was my God, mm -hmm. my religion. I never had a good relationship with my parents. I never leaned on them. I never had best friends and I never, I did have siblings that I could lean on at one point, but I, I lost touch with them by the time that I was 26. So I had nobody and especially my wife. I had lost my wife and she was the only thing that I leaned on for the past four years. So the first six months of being divorced and out of the church was, it was like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Like there was nights that I would drive around and I couldn't see the road because my fear, my tears were so thick and I was just crying so much and like just, just coughing 
from how much like I just was just yearning and just this this squeezing this pain out of me. It was just leaking out of my my orifices. Um, it was so miserable, and I had yeah. nothing. I didn't know who to lean on, and I would just scream at the sky. And for a while, I think I still believed in God, and then I I but I believed in him just because I wanted someone to yell at because if I knew that there was, if there was nothing there, that was worse than knowing that there was a piece of shit fucking dick ass person that I could yell at. Give me Mm -hmm. something to yell at. Give me something to punch and I'll be happy. Like I I'll be happier. I could deal with that. So I think for a while I entertained the thought that there was a God because I would rather have someone to blame than no, nothing at all. Yeah. Where do you, um, find solace now right now i have um i have twofold so i know because i'm smarter than the average bear i know that you cannot find happiness if you are yearning if there's a hole inside you i don't think that it's smart to fill it with another person Mm -hmm. like they might they they're gonna treat it's it's like I don't even know Tylenol. It's gonna treat the symptoms like you have holes and hurt and trauma and having a girl there to cuddle you is gonna you know, or someone there to cuddle you is gonna is gonna make you feel better. But it's not gonna answer those questions. It's not gonna fill those holes all the way. And um so I do have a girl, I just wanna preface that. She is amazing and she helps me a lot. Um, but the bigger answer to that is I've gotten help. Like I reached out and I finally started doing therapy and the therapy has talked me off those ledges. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's fucking amazing. It's just, it's just, uh, and it, all it is there. I'll tell you why therapy is amazing because it's just rewiring your brain. We've mm-hmm. been brainwashed, which brainwashing can, is just reprogram reprogramming your brain. We, depending how long you were a Mormon. So I was a Mormon for 26 years and I took it seriously. So I read every book. I, I, if you would have seen my library before I destroyed it, I had like a hundred books. I had, I understanding the parables of Isaiah, um, breaking down the old Testament, like all those sources of cross-referencing the the dead sea scrolls, um, uh, like understanding and breaking down Hebrew and, and Greek and Latin roots to understand like better the scriptures and like, what the origin of the words were. I was so deep into all this stuff. And then not to mention like, like always listening to general conference and all these apostles, like every chance I got mm-hmm. every lunch break, every dinner, every time I drove in a car, I was trying to shove more gospel down inside me. Um, like I was so programmed. I was completely programmed. My, and I, I take anatomy and I love anatomy. So we learn about neurons and we learn about pathways, pathways are, you know, the ways that we program our brain and stuff. So I, that's what therapy is to me is I'm finally unplugging those old connections and those old roads and I'm repaving roads that are smoother, they're quicker, they're, they make more sense, they're more pleasurable. Um, the connections make, are just better. They're better and they're happier and they make more sense. So in the past when something would happen and I would spiral and I would be like, I need to talk to a thing in the sky and read scriptures and do service. And I need to do like five hours worth of thing to fix a five minute problem that if I just do some box breathing and then I think about mindfulness about staying in the present and then I can actually think about the, 
the task at hand and figure it out like honestly and easily without it destroying me. And I don't need anybody. I don't need a guy, you know, a, a, a religion and a box and a dude in the sky and someone to give my money to. I'll, well, I mean, I do, I'll give it to my therapist who helps me and he's my guru. He's, he's guiding me. But the thing is soon he's, I'm not dependent on him. I've taken breaks from my therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to him for six months, took a year off. And then now I'm back. I've been back for a couple months and, uh, just, I like knowing that I'm not going to depend on him. I'm paying him right now. He's rewiring my brain, but I go to him less frequently. Now I go to him every two weeks instead of every week. I'm showing that I can, that I'm rewiring my brain better, faster, more efficiently. And these things that used to destroy me are not destroying me like they used to. They're not bringing me down. So that's where I find my solace right now. That's all the happiness is knowing my brain can handle what I'm going through in life. And then having a wonderful woman on the side that, that cares about me and supports me and my mental illness and traumas. And geez, that's, that's what I need. So I'm getting it. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, thank you. Yeah. Cause yeah, like you said, I mean, all that stuff, like you really do have to learn to, to sit with yourself and be okay with yourself. Like at the end of the day. Um, so the fact that you're finding that and you're able to do it, more and more on your own over time like that's really commendable man um thank you but is there anything i haven't asked because i know we're running a little long i don't want to hold you up too much um is there anything i haven't asked that you want to get on or delve into or is there any advice that you might have for anyone listening <clears throat> um yeah uh let me see advice i would say if you're someone who is fully out of the church already totally go to therapy like um if you're under your parents insurance call and find out you know because a lot of times i don't pay for therapy actually a lot of times insurance companies will totally pay for therapy you don't have to pay a dime um so find out you know through your insurance what they who they cover blah blah if you don't have insurance they a lot of them are actually more affordable than you think and i i can tell out of my own experience the first six months no the first three months that I saw my therapist, I paid out of pocket. He was $60 an hour. And I tell you those $60 were absolutely worth it because it stopped me from fucking killing myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I did it. Like it really, there were times that I just, yeah, I really freaking needed it. And it's like, Oh, you don't have $60. Like even if you go to him once a month, like I don't care, freaking do it. That's my message to someone who's already out. Like if you're not in therapy, just do it. And it's not, uh, I'm, I, I, I hope I don't have to like go down a soapbox and say that therapy means that you're broken. No, because my personal belief is that everyone should go to therapy. Therapy is just like, we should just, I mean, we all maintain our car, don't we? Mm -hmm. We all do the, the, the preventative maintenance for cars. We check the oil, we, we flush it out. We make sure that all the pipes aren't leaking, that, if they are, you know, you make sure that the wiring is all good and everything. If something gets unwired, you know, and you're having a problem with electricity, um, then you get it fixed. So if we do that to cars and they're constantly, you know, we're just wear and tear, our mind is always freaking working. So why do we think that we're immune to that? Why do we think that we don't have to do preventative maintenance uh, on our minds? Like our minds go through so much, so much work. So 
I believe that therapy is, is just something for everybody. Therapy, uh, maybe change the name if you have bad association with therapy, but just think of it as preventive maintenance mentally. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those people who are not yet out and you're listening to this um, and you're considering and you have consideration, uh, <laughs> Marona's promise. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but actually, it's kind of... It's kind of true, but uh, well, more more so. I'll just bear my testimony. No, oh, that's fucking that's terrible. But I can't believe I said that. I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna say that from my experience, from me as a person that you don't even know, but you just met, that I definitely wanted to die so many times, and I thought death sounded so freaking cool. Um, I can tell you now that I am free from the church. And I'm doing all this stuff like. And I'm not an angry, vengeful guy. I'm not trying to destroy the church. That's a, that's another important thing. But I can just tell you, I can, you know, I don't even know. The least I can say is just try it. Like, if you try leaving the church, and then hey, if you if it's not for you, you can always repent and come back because I'm pretty sure there's some parables that talk about that. So, I I would say freaking try it. What I'll, the last thing that I will say is. Um, one of the reasons why I finally decided, like when I finally decided to leave the church was because I asked myself a logical question. I said, I was about to kill myself. So I was 26 and I was about to kill myself. And then I asked myself something. I was like, have you done everything? Have you tried everything? And then I sat myself and I asked, I was like, well, no, I've just been a freaking, I've tried everything that Mormonism offers. I went to BYU. I did Boy Scouts. I did Duty to God. I did seminary. I graduated seminary. I went to BYU. I graduated BYU. I married in temple. I lost my virginity on my wedding night. I kept a lot of chastity. Like, and like I did all, I went to the temple frequently. I wore my temple covenants. I like, and I honored them. I did everything the Mormon church told me to do. And I'm right here with a gun to my hand. Like, just think what else is there to do? Like, do you think that maybe it's possible that maybe being free and making your own decisions might be good for you? Just think about that. Because that's what it came down to me. I was like, you know what? I haven't actually tried leaving the church and just being free. And here I am. Here I am. I tried it, and I'm happy. So what can I tell you? No, that's, that's solid advice. And, man, I'm so glad to hear that you're, you're doing well, man. You're a good dude. I've really enjoyed this thank conversation you, a lot, man. Yeah, I gotta thank you Aww. for like sharing some laughs with me, opening up to me, really bearing your soul. And I know a lot of people are really gonna appreciate a lot of the stuff that you've shared. So I really gotta thank you for coming Dude, on the podcast you, and doing this. Hell yeah! If you ever do this again, and you're bored and you want another guy who babble on forever, uh. I'll smoke it up and I'll talk for you. Hey, man, that sounds good. I always tell everybody, like, hey, just because uh, we're ending the conversation doesn't mean you have to be a stranger. I'll definitely reach out to you. By all means, if you ever want to talk, reach out to me. You know, we're friends on Facebook now. So uh-huh. by all means, shoot me a message, man. I'd love to talk. Awesome, man. Thank you. All right, man. Um, well, if you don't have any more to share, like I said, this was a really good time. Thank you so much again for coming on, and I'll definitely talk to you soon, man. Alrighty, man. Thank you. All right. Take it easy, Willie. You too, man. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to a Focal Point podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.